Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Yeah, so hard kombucha. Hard kombucha. Okay. You come bearing gifts. I come bearing gifts. June shine. I love it. Midnight painkiller. <laughs> <laughs> but despite the name, yeah. it is actually super healthy for you. Like Oh, it is? Yes. See, that's good because I'm trying to get healthy. You know what? That is one thing that turned me, like the nutritionist at the Pirates, she was like, oh, you got to try kombucha because it's got probiotics and all this healthy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I think regular kombucha has a little bit of like alcohol in it naturally okay so they just ferment it for a longer period for hard kombucha so it's still got the probiotics you can have a couple get a little buzz and you won't be hung over that's the best part about oh, you it you won't be hung over you won't be hung over and it's healthy for you really mm-hmm. okay so all right so right now just so you know our family my wife's got everybody on this gluten-free kick Right, which I'm starting to like realize is a good kick to be on because I've been feeling better. I could I could tell indefinitely because whatever gluten is, I don't even know what it is. It's like this magic thing, right? That that apparently is in everything, but she tells me it's like wheat or something like that. I, I don't really know. But I don't, are you like into the healthy I, thing? I or? listen to certain people about the nutritional advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people are sensitive to gluten naturally. Mm-hmm. But it's all about the gut, right? So it's digestion. Right. And this is what will help you also because the probiotics in here help your gut. And it's like the healthy bacteria that help everything, like, just go through the system. Okay. To put it in hindsight. So. And then I might be able to put rum on top of this, right? We're going to experiment and try that out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Um, Shall we? Welcome to the show. Yes. Thank let's you. Go. Crack and cheers, right? Here. Oh, so exciting. Cheers. Thank you for driving up. The <laughs> keys to see me, right? I know we've been trying to get this we've show together trying. for quite a while now, and I'm happy that you're here in front of me. I'm super great, excited, right? and I think me I'm too. more excited for you to try this right all now. Right, all right, so we'll try it. So, all right, let me try it like this. I like that. It's pretty smooth, right? Yeah, I like yeah. that. It's good. Yep. It's very good. Let's try it with rum. Sorry. So, um... We're here today with uh, Astrid DeGrucci, right? And she joins us on the Connected by Water podcast presented by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. 
and fueled by Papa's Pilar rum. And in the words of George Pavromo, George Pavromo, if he's watching this show, is probably going to be laughing right now. They always have the toughest time opening these bottles. You know, one time he brought in a bottle, like George Pavromo comes on the show all the time. He's like a show regular. And last time he was on, he brought a bottle and with instructions on it. I mean, I had to open it. So, should I not be doing this? You got it down pat now, Dennis. Let's try. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll live. (laughs) I'll live. All right, not bad, not bad, not bad. You know what it does, though? It takes a little bit of the um, carbonation out. Okay. So, all right. We're here. We're talking to you. We're hanging out. I want to, before we get started, I know some of you guys listen to us on our radio formats, or radio.com and um, iHeartRadio and Spotify and all that stuff like that. But most of you guys watch us on YouTube. And if you're watching us for the first time, please click that like button. We'd love to have you subscribe to the show. Um, and uh, we appreciate it when and if you do. So... Hi. Hi. <laughs> so you're a very interesting character. Right? I, I think I have a very interesting background. Yeah, you've got a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted you to come on and tell that story. Um, when I posted, a, you know, we have our strange questions segment, which we'll get to in a little bit, where I ask people, oh, send in your strange questions to ask you, right? And I said, this is Astrid. She's coming on the show. And, you know, not only does she catch a lot of fish, but she's also a Harvard-educated Major League Baseball scout, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they properly yeah, introduced that. Is, it, is that the, is that, so I said, yeah. so give us your questions and everything like that. So I want to go way back, but first I want to ask with the baseball thing, how did you get into that? So I pretty much grew up around baseball. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until after I finished undergrad at St. John's that I thought I had a shot in working in baseball full-time. And um, I wanted to be a film director when I was at St. John's. Really? Yep. But I've been always been around baseball, you know, growing up with my brothers, playing travel ball, and um, I played some softball. But just being around the game, I just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew a lot about it going to my brother's lessons. And I just wanted him to be better. So I kind of helped with the development of everything that he did and when I was in undergrad I went to some showcases and I talked to some scouts and they're like you know you know a lot about baseball did you ever consider going to scout school I'm like what is scout school people get paid to watch baseball wow really yeah so um, I got sent to scout school I was sponsored by Major League Baseball to do it it was a two-week long very intense, um, learning how to write scouting reports, learning to see like what to look for. And um, the greatest thing about it, I was around people that wanted to be like scouts as well, people that loved baseball. And I was like, this is actually what I want to do. And that's when everything just kind of spiraled. Um, and I did an internship with the Cape Cod Baseball League. That was my first internship. And um, then I started just getting internships and stuff like that with other organizations. And I got a full-time position with uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates in international scouting. So that's where you're working now. That's where you I work, work for the now. Pirates. Correct. So cool. <laughs> so really, though, I mean, I didn't know that there was a scouting school. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just thought, like, the scout 
thing was just kind of like, hey, this person knows baseball. Let's see, like the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's, but, but it's, I didn't realize there was such a regimented kind of thing. Yeah, um, they actually started it way back in, like, I think the 80s, but a lot of the former players turned mm -hmm. into scouts because they were around baseball. But this is more of a formulated process of, like, how to write a scouting, how to compile a scouting report and mm -hmm. what to look for, and um, it definitely helped a lot. Yeah, cool, and you do a lot of traveling. I, I mean, Well, you're doing the international to, thing, right? Yes, prior to COVID, um, I would probably be in the Dominican for two weeks every month. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a lot, but that's where I mostly am is the Dominican Republic. Okay. A lot of players are there. Yeah, I always thought that was fascinating. So I was, I mean, growing up, I was a Mets fan because I, grew, I was born and raised down here, uh, and my family were Mets fans because they're all from New Jersey. Right, so they come down and they're Met fans, and so I, when I got the Marlins, I finally got my team. So I instantly became a Marlin fan. But in '86, when the Mets won the World Series, I was like, hey, you know mm. what I mean? It was great. But um, you're from Long Island, right? I'm from Long Island. So yeah. So what did you grow a fan of? So my dad. Are you not allowed to talk about it now? <laughs> no, that you're no, with, I can. Now I you're can. Pittsburgh. Um, my dad was a Mets fan, and okay. he still is loyal. You know, they're very, very loyal. Mm -hmm. Um. But I grew up liking the Red Sox. Really? Yep. Specifically because of Ted Williams. Mm -hmm. um, I started researching his background, and I just fell in love with the person he was um, on and off the field. Mm -hmm. He didn't do things for publicity. He didn't go to help the children at the hospital just because it would be in the press. Um, was he a perfect husband? Was he a per perfect father? No. Um, but at the end of the day, he was a perfectionist, and mm -hmm. he loved not only baseball and being the best hitter of the the greatest hitters ever played, um, but also a really spectacular fisherman. Yeah, right there at Bud and Mary's, where, yep, where you're fishing. You're fishing out of Bud and Mary's yeah, now, right? Basically, I mean, yeah. you basically live there now, right? You just <laughs> let the cat out of the bag. I did. Okay, yeah, no, no, I go did. ahead. I did. Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, so you're now a resident of Island Rod. So that's kind of. If you like love Ted Williams like that, I mean, it's got to be kind of cool fishing out of Bud and Mary's because that really was like, I mean, what his stomping grounds down there. Yeah, no, he's got a lot of history there. I know he had a second home there, but he just loved Bud and Mary's. And my boyfriend tells me that all the time. He's mm -hmm. like, you know, this is where Ted Williams loved to fish out of. I'm like, that's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah that's cool. So, I mean, you've been fishing like your whole life, right? So, and then. So you're kind of like mixing like two of your passions here with like baseball and fishing. Like Correct. The way you're kind of rolling out. So funny story. And I guess I'll trace back to where I was born. Mm -hmm. I was born in Lima, Peru. Mm -hmm. My mom was a single mom with two kids. And she moved us to um, New York. And she wanted a better opportunity for us mm -hmm. because down in, you know, it, it's not like here. Um, so she wanted a better opportunity for us. So we moved to Queens and lived in a really small studio apartment. Um, like coming to America. Yes, it literally. <laughs> it was, and she ha used to have to work 60 hours a week just to make ends meet. Um, mm -hmm. And we would really never see her. And then uh, I think when I was about eight years old, she met my stepdad, who was a plumber in New York City. Um, and she didn't really speak a lot of English. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they met and I guess they hit it off and... He is my best friend. Um, he took me in and um, not only introduced me to baseball, but also fishing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I cool. think that's really cool that um, he showed me both those things, and I'm still pursuing both of them. 
So where where were you fishing? You were like a, like a Montauk so kind of thing. So my dad had uh, a sail, a Grady White sailfish that he kept out of Greenport okay. in the North Shore. Um, so it was mostly like fluke and stripers out of like Gardner's Bay, Gardner's area over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he used to take us to what's called the race um, by like Little Gull Island, mm-hmm. where the current just rips. And I remember we used to be. Um, out like all day and then he's like all right start bass fishing at night let's tell your mom that you're going to bed and we wake up at one in the morning get ready for the night striper bite Mm -hmm. and um i remember when i caught my first striped bass i was eight years old and it was like barely a keeper like 28 inches Mm -hmm. and i remember fighting so hard and i was like i can't do it he's like you're gonna do it and you're gonna like see this through and i did i remember when i brought it in it was just a sense of like, wow, this is the greatest feeling ever. Like going through that much at that young age, mm-hmm. like not feeling he could do it and doing it. I think that's what sparked. Like I want to continue fishing for the rest of my life. That's great. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times, like all the prep that goes into, you know, fishing a lot of times. And that's why when you have days, like the day we had, we were talking about before that we started rolling, like the day we just had in the tournament when like, you don't really catch a lot of fish or anything like that all the prep that goes into it could really bum you out. You're like, man, went through all that. And you know what I mean? But when you prepare like that and you get out there and you brave the elements and convert on a fish and you're right, it's like in my mind, no greater feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And my dad was somebody, he's like, you're going to do it. And I was like, and I did it. (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about, um, I wanted to, because this is one thing I've noticed, um, I think about you. And, you know, and again, I'm going to repeat, this is the first time we're meeting in person. But, you know, you follow people on social media and you take a look at how they are representing themselves. And there's a lot of fish caught on your profile. Um, A lot of striped bass on your profile, too. So I'm assuming you still keep going up there. So we actually, the last striper I ever caught was my Mm 50-pounder. I think it was 50.3 to be exact. But that was, I want to say, like, two years ago. And I wanted to be the last striper I caught mm-hmm. um, because my parents. You wanted to retire on that one? Yeah, I want to yeah. retire on that one. you got to end on a good note. Like Tom um, Brady? Yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I'm going to be like, oh, you know what? I'm not ready for this. <laughs> but um, my parents actually moved down to the Outer Banks. So they sold their home Long Island and they're building an oceanfront property on Harker's Island in the Outer Banks. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we kind of knew what was going to happen. Um, And right before the move, you know, me and my dad went out for the fall run. Uh, We started trolling for stripers. And um, I caught that 50-pounder, and I was just like, I kind of want to end it on a good note. And and I felt pretty good about, I don't want to say conquering the game up there with that, Mm -hmm. but it just felt like it was time, you know. Yeah, and you had already really kind of mentally transitioned down yeah, here, I think, yeah. right? So, yeah, and I was yeah. spending a lot of time in Florida, too. Um, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense that you'd, you'd say it like that, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that that's kind of cool because one of the things I wanted to bring up, the reason I brought up, you know, your your social profile and all that was because one thing that I kind of, the picture tells a thousand words, right? That's what they always say. And just, like, seeing the energy on your face and you're holding these fish and everything like that, one word that comes to my mind is passion, right? Because I can feel the passion, like, coming out in, in the photos. Um, talk to me a little bit about passion because you've led an interesting life from, again, I said Harvard-educated major league 
baseball scout, avid, you know, fisherman and the whole thing. Right. Um, but that's a life of passion, I think like, and, and I can relate to that because I'm doing what I love too. You know, and not everyone get really gets that opportunity, that chance. I could probably speak for everyone in this room. They're probably, they're doing what they love as well. Right. Right. The road less traveled. Um, talk to me about how much passion plays into your daily life. So I kind of mirror everything that I do, um, with how Ted would have approached it. Um, and being a perfectionist at things and putting your whole heart and soul into something. And that's something my dad always raised me to understand. It's like, if you're going to sweep the floor, sweep the floor better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's it's not the first time, keep at it until you, you feel like you've done a good job, like the best job ever. And um, I think that kind of goes with how I approach different things in life. And growing up, loving baseball, growing up, loving fishing. That's the two things that I, I want to be really good at um, and inspire other people too. So I think that the passion that I have for both those things um, are motivated with inspiring other people to continue on and, and doing the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like if you love something, put your heart and soul into it and, and see what you can do with it, you know, and don't stop. Don't let it, Don't take no for an answer. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, you've traveled a lot for your job, and you, know, you go down onto the Dominican. One of the things I noticed about you, um, you a couple of years ago were helping out running this program, right, to, to help out a lot of the, the poverty and everything down yep, there. Yep. And, and I think that speaks to some of the things that you're talking about, you know what I mean, and just, you know, not taking no for an answer and just kind of making things happen and following what you believe in. Oh, yeah. Um, um, but the Dominican Republic, a lot of people don't realize it's not, you know, just marlin fishing and, you know, um, resorts. There's a lot of poor places and, and people fighting for a chance just to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some places where there's no running water. Um, and that, you know, it's not just the Dominican Republic, too. Like, I literally went to Cuba by myself, I think I want to say it's like 2017. Um you know, I went down there to help kids and mm-hmm. give them baseballs because, you know what, maybe they'll they'll do something with it because I, it's like gold down there. And uh, I remember getting stopped in security, too, because they're like, what are you doing with all these baseballs? I'm like, I, I'm giving them out to kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some kids that I, I walk down the street. I'm just like, wow, they live here in like this little one like box, literally. Yeah. And there was one kid playing in the garbage, you know, um, that I gave him a baseball and he was just literally crying. I cried too. I walked away. I was like, I, I, I oh man, take him on. but it just, it humbles you. And, um, it definitely drives you to like keep pushing and helping other people for sure. Yeah. Cuba, Cuba. I, what's, what was your take on like, I know you just kind of told me a little bit about it, but like your overall take on that country right now um so i know that people like the vintage cars and everything and like they say you know you feel like you're stuck in time but a lot of those people the sense that i got was that they were very oppressed um and this is how they have to live and um you know it's so crazy in isla Morada, where i now live um there was a cuban refugee boat that just washed up by buddy mary's marina just Floated. Oh, really? No motor, no nothing. I think there were still some like water canteens and stuff that was left in the boat. Um, 
I know Nick did like a YouTube video on it. If you guys want to check it out and see mm-hmm. like, you know, more in depth. But, um, you know, imagine going, you know, 90 plus miles without a motor, without, you know, possibly yeah, risking no. your life just to get out of there. Yeah, that's, I mean, you always think that. It's like, you know, if people want to make fun of the people in the rafts, I'm like, really? Imagine what they were going through to yeah. have to make that decision. Exactly. To do that. Exactly. Yeah, that that's rough. Mm-hmm. That's rough. The, uh, you know, one of the stories I always remember I mean, that you're talking about going down to um, South America and Central America and stuff, you know, in the islands and all that to go scout talent for mm-hmm. the most part, right? Um, I always remember this story about Dave Dombrowski going down to Venezuela and sitting in Miguel Cabrera's house at the stroke of midnight on his 16th birthday with a contract yep. like that. And, like, does that kind of stuff happen a lot? I mean, because I thought that was, like, the most – Wow, story. Yeah. 16 years old. Yeah, no, so what's crazy is international scouting, we're scouting kids when they're about 14, 15 years old. Right. So way before, and you're committing these kids to X amount of money, um, and then they sign officially, um, which used to be July 2nd, uh, Mm -hmm. but now I think they changed it to January 15th because of COVID. Um, So you can meet these kids out, you know, two or a year out, and um, some of them commit to millions of dollars at wow. 14 years old imagine committing to that much and then signing for that much um and then being brought over to a foreign country not knowing the language and having to adjust to the culture mm-hmm. um so that is an obstacle in itself it's got to be strange oh yeah and having all the money but not knowing how to use it not you know the fear of being taken advantage of mm-hmm. um so it's definitely not a walk in the park for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely got to be strange. Right. Right. Very strange. And that's how we segue into our strange questions. <laughs> <laughs> so we have here in my hand, and I do it like the Johnny Carson, the Swami right, up here. Right. Some strange questions. Right. This is our, our popular segment episode. The Papa's Pilar strange questions. Right. And I have in my hand. Um, a list of about maybe five or six questions from some Let's people that it. you might see the names on there. So I'm going <laughs> to hide them from you a little bit. So, all right. So the picture that I posted of you earlier, right, of saying, hey, on, it was on Facebook, you're holding a striped bass. Mm-hmm. So uh, referencing that photo, Mike Kohler says, I've never seen a snook with so many stripes. Where did you catch it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so. so the stripers, though, um, my dad and I started striper fishing out in the North Shore and then over by Montauk and just, you know, dropping down like live eels at night. And it was like maybe 30, 40 feet of water. And we were super mm-hmm. successful at that. And then we started like live lining and looking for bunker on the South Shore because he moved his boat from Greenport to Freeport. Um, and we were okay on that. And then we started hearing people on the radio saying, oh, I just got a 40 pounder in the box mm-hmm. on the troll. And we're like, what is trolling? Like, what is right. this? So we started researching together and we're like, all right, so wire line 300 feet out. Like, let's, let's try it. We got all the stuff. We got the Tony Maha bunker spoons, the mojos. We had a four line setup, and, um, and I, li- I'm very systematic where I, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started being really successful at doing that. 
um, and catching bigger stripers um, in like deeper water too, just trolling. And, and we would be out there when it was super rough out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is how I caught the big stripers on the South Shore when they run too, because they run from, um, I guess, Cape Cod all the way down to maybe like Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. See, I, ha- I know nothing about striped bass <laughs> fishing. I mean, I've never been up that way to fish for them. I'd love to one day for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, I always think it's so interesting. And, and also, like, the different cultures that surround each style of fishing, each type mm-hmm. of fishing is, is always amazing to me. Like, and I always try to – like, we talked about um, Fly Navarro was on a show recently, and one thing that I've always wanted to do was ice fishing. And he's like, and anyone I ever say that to is like, why? Wow. <laughs> like, it's horrible. You're going to freeze your butt off and everything. I'm like, no, I heard those cabins are pretty warm and there's a lot of rum in there. But <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's cool. So, all right. Thanks, Mike, for your stripe snook question. Um, the second question we have up here comes from a mutual friend in one Justin Broderick, who may or may not be presently in the room. And he says... Is fishing professionally your ultimate goal, or is scouting your long-term plan? So that's a very tough question. Um, it probably might not be one to answer in a public forum, but but know. you know, I, I I do love both, obviously, and I think that fishing is more of an outlet of release for me, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that my my boyfriend does. He's going to be doing professionally, um, and his sports is his outlet, so it kind of right mimics each other in a way that it works for us that's kind of cool though yeah. You know, yeah yeah absolutely so sports it's is a good his balance. release and he'll see me watch like a baseball game be like why are you so serious and like you don't understand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but i would lo- like baseball is my career mm-hmm. um where it's going to take me is tbd um i'd love to be an executive or um an analyst on mlb network mm-hmm. um to do that and then also fish on the side and and just if i'm considered a professional angler then let it be you know yeah for sure that's awesome because you're you're already you know sponsor brand ambassador for many like top level brands right now and so you're well on your way that's for sure um i want to bring one thing up too you talked about becoming an executive um Kim Ng, did yep. I say that right? Kim is Ng. is yep. the GM now for the Correct. Marlins, right? And which I, when they announced her, I, I was so happy, and especially you know with the track record she had with Derek Jeter already, and coming in under his um, you know recommendation, you know I thought was pretty inspiring, and and just I never heard of her before, but due to this I started reading her background. I'm like, wow, just oh, she's yeah. really accomplished a lot so far. Oh yeah, you know, so that's gotta be I would think. Not only inspiring, but, you know, ceiling breaking and door opening for, oh, for yeah. people in your position as well, right? Wouldn't so you say? I, I actually met Kim in 2013. I was at the MLB draft, mm-hmm. and I saw her walking out. And at that point, I kind of knew I wanted to work in baseball. Um, and I knew everything about her. I knew what she's done, and she's been in the game for a really long time, really well-respected. And um, it was like meeting Beyonce, you know, yeah. and I, that was like my Beyonce because I'm like, that is somebody that I uh, aspire to be like, um, here she is. She just gave me her contact information and, um, 
you know, we connected and she supports other women too. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of seen my process and how I've gone around my internships, my jobs and everything. And it's nice to see her persistence pay off Yeah, because she's been working in baseball. People don't realize for more than 20 years. Wow. That long. Very, very long. And she was with the Yankees too for a while. Wasn't White she? Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, and then major league baseball for a while. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. I just, I just thought that was that was really cool. So, um, so thank you, Justin, um, for your question. You are in the running for a T-shirt. <laughs> it's a free T-shirt. Yeah, he's over there pu- arm pumping. All right. So, all right. Our third question comes from another mutual friend of ours, um, the ever famous, uh, popular, and member of our Connected by Water family, Michelle Bombshell Dalton. Oh. Asks. She asks this, not me, right? Just for the record. If you were a man for a day, what's the first thing you would do? And also, is cereal considered breakfast soup? If I was a man for a day. Oh. um, Like I said, she's asking that, not me. Can I be any man, or is it just like a man? Um... Answer that how you want to answer. I, I feel you like I would want to be ways. Mark Cuban for a day. That's a good one. And then just, like, live, like, run his ba- basketball team. Also, like, all his business ventures and, like, see what it feels like, you know? Yep. yep. I, I don't know anything about the NBA, but I would make some moves that, you know, people would be like, what? <laughs> uh, leave him with the mess the next day. Um, for sure. And the is cereal considered soup? Is cereal is cereal considered breakfast soup? Breakfast soup. I, I don't know if that's an inside joke between you guys, but you know um, I'm gonna say yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. We're gonna I'm gonna mark that down as a yes. That's a yes. Confirms. Can and, confirm. And we 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 confirm that. <laughs> I'll relay that back to Michelle for sure. Just see, I like that Michelle asked that. She's 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 staying on point with the strange <laughs> questions, right? Because so many times we ask for strange questions and people give us just like, hey, what's your favorite color? You know, like, like basic questions. And like, you know, and I don't even answer them. Like we were put them on the show half the time. But yeah, so keeping it strange, right? So the uh, next question comes from actually my sister, uh, Louise D. Bernard, who is living up on the Poconos right now. And she says, I've lived in both Florida and PA slash New Jersey. Do you enjoy northern fishing or Florida fishing better? And then oh. she says, go Mets. Go Mets, yes. Um, definitely Florida. Yeah. Yeah, there because you, you know what? Like, I, I love stripers. I love fluke. I love, you know, sea bass and bluefish. But you're limited to just that. And down in Florida, you have the bigger pelagics. Mm-hmm. Pelagic? Pelagic? I um, say pelagic. Pelagics. Yeah, yeah. And then you also have like the backcountry, all the tarpon, the triple tails, bonefish, mm-hmm. yep, um, snooks, red drums. So I think there's just more species to target, and you know, there's more versatility. I think that's the best part about Florida is that you know, given the conditions, there's always somewhere Something. to target, right. unless you're like torrential downpour. But, oh yeah. But then that only lasts 20 minutes, and we're out here anyway. So, but yeah, no, it's like. We named 
the entire show after that whole theory though we're all connected by water and then the, the whole like we're connected by water and the state itself is connected by water and just you know the people are the land and the land are the people that's so right. that's kind of like the whole theory behind it and like you can literally double up on sailfish come in shore catch tarp in the snook go two more miles inland and catch a bass that's right like, all in the same day very easily you know and well not very easily but it's possible or if you're in Michelle's Very easily. backyard. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. You're in Michelle's backyard. Michelle will just go home, catch some peacocks. You're all set. Yeah, you got the peacock fish. I did. Right. So that's my first freshwater fish ever. Michelle put me on. Yeah, in really? Backyard. It was so fun, yes. Yeah, first that's awesome. First freshwater fish ever. Yeah, every time I talk to her, I'm like, all right, so we're, we're going to go catch some peacocks in your backyard. She's like, yeah, come over. Not today, though, because I got this other <laughs> thing going on. I'm like, all right, well, let me know when. So anyway, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Louise. We'll be sure to say, let's go Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, relay that to your dad. That's got to be cool, though, like growing up fishing with your dad like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. And now that he's moved to the Outer Banks, we have, like, a new, like, we want to nail the bluefin tuna. Like, that's going to be our next goal. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they got some, um, they've been going back and forth with some mahi regulation out there recently. They were, were trying to change some coastal laws. Is there any updates on that? Do you know? Yeah, where they're trying to regulate, and they're trying to regulate here, too. I know that's kind of a fluid situation, but, um, yuck, yuck. But, you know, they're up there, too, and I'm not sure what it is, because right now I don't think they, like, have limits for them. But, yeah, I don't know. But I know the beach fishing up there is big in oh, the yeah. Outer Banks, too. Oh, yeah. The red big drum. Long surf rods. Oh, yeah. The, I think the one of the world records red drum was caught surf casting out there. Oh, was it? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so the next question comes from a Jason Coopersmith. He's a very good friend of mine. Um, he says, how do you find time to juggle all of your career responsibilities and still find time to fish? You know what? I've been very fortunate that the Pirates, when they hired me, they knew that I loved fishing. And um, with COVID, I've had a lot more free time, so that's mm-hmm. why you probably see me post more than often. Um, but they kind of knew that fishing was important to me. So they're like, oh, you know, you want to go to Alaska for a week? Okay, with your dad, go ahead. Um, you want to go sword fishing for a day or two? Go ahead. Um, so it's just more of, like, communication and mm-hmm. letting them know what I, what days I, I can do things. But I work a lot, like, um, in the morning, night, like, I'm always available, yeah. you know? find time it was a kind of like a thing where like you always got like like ta- like a talent like on your mind that you're trying to like like there's always going to be like oh yeah right it's like oh, not yeah. incessant isn't it yeah so how it works is like there's a lot of showcases and like trainers that have these kids that you know they want to show you like we have this you know 14 year old shortstop um and you want to come look at him and, and we're going to showcase him these days um, and then you kind of just have them on your target list and say, all right, this is the price range that I feel comfortable signing him at. Um, and of course it never matches up with what right. they're asking prices, but, um, you kind of just keep them on the back of your mind until it fits. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they can't officially sign until they're 16. So there's just so much time after you look and watch the progress and, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's time though. People don't realize it. Doesn't just you see him, you sign him, and that's it. Like there's time through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Sorry, I, I know I'm asking a lot of questions no, about that. Good. I'm just so fascinated <laughs> about that world. You know, the whole thing. You know, being like I just I grew up a huge baseball fan. I grew up playing baseball my whole life, and um, 
you know, I'm just so enamored by the, that whole entire process because baseball is unlike any other sport in that respect where it's just like, you know, a lot of the guys, they go to college and they go to MLB, but that's not usually the traditional path for Major League Baseball. No. Which I've always found that very interesting. Yeah, and now you got guys at high school. They yeah. get drafted in top rounds that you're like, oh, I don't need college. you know, right. Or I can right. get it later. Yep. yep. Um, so that's kind of a big thing, too. But people don't realize the international side of it. They see the amateur draft and mm -hmm. how that works with high school, colleges, and um, the process through that. But the kids internationally are signed so much younger, playing the Dominican Summer League for, like, one season, then come up here. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, that kid. I, I, I'll take notes on him. Yeah. Um, but we've done our, our homework years before. Yeah, that's cool. I, I know I went through a little bit of the process of the – kid that goes to high school goes to college um and then gets signed right after that because i'm very good friends with um with zach collins's uncle right so i was there for every step of the way of like oh he's doing this and he's telling me all the time yeah about his entire process and i it, i guess he was a very good prospect coming up and now he's obviously you know fighting for that starting job at this point yeah. you know in his career but he's been doing very well as power hitter yeah you know what i mean so i always thought that he'd get elevated a little bit quicker for the power hitting catcher, but you know, not my call. Um, but the one thing too, is that people don't realize that once you're signed, it's, it's not just like, okay, you'll get to the big leagues in a year. It's like, right. you have to go through the whole minor league the process. Rigors, yeah. You're competing with other people. Like if you were drafted in the amateur draft, you're competing with the international guys and sign-ons and trades mm -hmm. and vice versa with the international guys. Um, so it, it's very, very competitive. Yeah. You know, just because you get signed doesn't mean it's going to happen. You worked with the A's for a little bit, didn't I you? I did. Right? I did. I worked I thought, with the A's. I thought A's. I read that. Yeah. Uh, player development for like a couple of months. Yeah. So, I mean, the the Billy Ball thing. Billy Bean? Yeah. The, oh, Moneyball. Yeah, Moneyball. Billy, <laughs> Billy Ball. Moneyball. That's the same thing. So, I mean, is is how much of that, like, that film is, like, accurate? Um, I want to say it is pretty accurate. I met Billy Bean a couple times, and he's super humble. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they're striving, like, away from that theory mm -hmm. um, because analytics, everybody's got it. Data is important, and it right. can only tell you so much. Um, and I do think there's a big correlation with performance numbers and, like, the tools that they have, right? Um, so, but I think that more and more teams are, are moving away from that theory and focusing more on, like, the biomechanical part of it. Right. Um, which is becoming bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. And the eyesight and all of that. Yeah. Um, but there's new testing every single year. Psychological testing, physical testing. Um, there's Poke, something called ISAC, too. That yeah. can, like, there's something called ISAC that can measure, like, uh, your body composition projects how big and how strong you could possibly be at a certain age, you know? What? Yeah. So there's just so much more science and tools that people are going to be using yeah. for scouting. Um, but the analytics, I think, is like a correlation. So it lines up, mm -hmm. but there's just, you want to dig deeper than just that surface level. Yeah. You know, so at that point, I'd rest my laurels and just focusing on fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So the last question on our list comes from uh, our good friend Josh Sandor. And Josh is a United States Army veteran and a FFO outreach officer, Freedom Fighter Outdoors, locally here. Um, but he's not local, but the organization is, and he's always here. Um, and he asks a really cool question, I think, because getting off the beaten path a little bit. 
So what is the weirdest slash craziest thing you did while attending Harvard, and did you get caught? Um, so I actually completed my certification at Harvard Online. So, um, <laughs> you know what's so funny, though? I did it, and I didn't really tell anyone I was doing it except for my mom. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, some of my coworkers saw that, like, I had the diploma thing, and they are like, oh, you're done with it? I was like, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, so I guess that was kind of. Yeah, whatever. The did cool. the Harvard yeah, thing. Yeah, so I, I tried to play it like that, too. I was like, yeah, that, that, that happened. I did it. Yeah. They're like, you did it that fast? I'm like, yeah. How did you do And you had to work? I go, I just did it. That's it. Find time. Sharp. <laughs> I like it. All right. That's the last of our questions. So we have to pick a winner. You have to pick a winner. And Michelle. Michelle? All right. Michelle. Michelle, gets, the ser- the, the Michelle already gets free suit. t-shirts, but she'll get another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Sorry, Justin. You, you know, <laughs> he already gets free t-shirts. Too, so. All right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Bombshell. All right. Awesome. So we got our questions done. That's really, really great. Um, tell me a little bit about Isla Mirada. Right? Okay. And I know the one big reason why you're there, <laughs> right? But, you know, that's got to be accompanied with other reasons. Yeah, right? no. Um, you know, when I first went down there, it was last year when we were fishing with uh, me and my dad came down for a swordfish trip with, you know, the Nick Stanzik. Mm-hmm. I'll say it that way, the Nick Stanzik. Correct. Um, and we went sword fishing and I was like, this is so beautiful. The water is just clear. It was my first time in the Keys ever. Um, and it just looked like something out of like a beautiful painting, you know? And I liked that everything was kind of laid back. Um, I would say that there's a lot of pressure in my, my profession because there's not a lot of women that do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like things that I constantly have to battle with that you just kind of have to get over, you know? Um, like what? Just like being accepted um, when you're going to scouting events and people are looking at you like, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. So it's like little things You get things that like a lot? That. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, and it, it is, there's just a lot of attention with it too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and you should just try to not to pay any mind to it. Um, but it, it does, like, you, you feel it the, the back of your mind, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so coming down and fishing is, like, my outlet, my release of just forgetting about all that. Yeah. And um, so that's that was my first time in the Keys, though, when we went sword fishing with Nick Stancic, um out of uh, Bud and Mary's. Mm-hmm. And that was the same day that I met my boyfriend. They call him The Bean. Uh, his real name is Brandon Storen. And... He, we caught a big eye tuna with Nick. We went sword oh, fishing, but caught a big eye tuna, nice. which is the only the second one he's ever caught. Yeah, that's, has a, a that's not the, about it that's too. not the common tuna. No, there. yeah. But I remember like there, I think it was like 117 pounds. It was on the fillet table, and then Brandon walks by and he's just like looks at the tuna, looks at me, and he's just like nice tuna and walks away. And I was like, you know what? That's nice. Like he actually like complimented mm-hmm. the fish. Like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I kind of knew who he was, and he wasn't our mate. Um, we had somebody else because he was backcountry fishing at the time. Um, so we just kind of followed each other, and he posted a lot of fishing, like very fishing-focused content. And that was what kind of intrigued me. Like, he was very into it. Um, and then I was 
I was think I was down here a couple months after, um, like trying to work on my tarpon game because I went tarpon fishing up in St. Pete, mm-hmm. and it took me forever to fight this like sixty pound tarpon. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? This is like the hardest fight of my life. So I wanted to work on it. So I came down here, and I was fishing with somebody else, and. Um, you know, I was like, I yeah, have some time if you want to grab some dinner. And he's like, okay. So he was just done with the charter. And, um, you know, we had dinner together. And I just So you asked so him the dinner. I did. I was like, you know, I'm going to be you, down did, there Did already. you ask him out? Or did you ask him just, you're trying to get tips on turkey <laughs> fishing from him? You know what? That could have been like the hidden thing. but Because I, just... I got a story. This is how I met my wife. Okay. <laughs> really? Listen. Yeah, because, well, I met, met her before. Through some friends that like the old job this is a long time ago and my wife and i have been together 15 16 years right but she calls me out of the blue one day and she's an artist as well as i told you about it right so she does like the abstract coastal minimal things completely different spectrum of art than what i, I paint fish as real as they can look right so or i try to but <laughs> um so she calls me out of the blue she's like hey um i have these canvases that i'm not going to use do you want to buy them Right. And I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, I'll buy those canvases. Right. She's like, okay, they're like 40 bucks. Is that cool? I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'm like, she's like, well, can you, when can you come by? Right. Whatever. So, so we picked a day and I go over there and I'm like, yeah, she's like, all right, so you want to see the canvases? I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we can see the canvases. Right. They're everything like that. I'm like, what are you doing now? You want to like hang out? And then that was it. And I remember that was September. September 10th, uh, 2005. Oh. Yeah, because I got a parking ticket that night at the beach. (laughs) That's how I remember it. That's how I remember it. Yep. So the rest is history. Oh, God. Well, this was July 25th. Those canvases are still in our garage, unpainted. Oh. Yeah, so that's it. So I I I never wanted canvases. That was Hmm. just my excuse to get in the door. That was your in. That was my in. (laughs) So he saw his in. Right, he you wanted to talk to him about tarpon. He was like, "Yeah, whatever, tarpon." <laughs> no, but it was just, so we had um, dinner, and it was July twenty fifth, and I just felt super comfortable. That mm-hmm. was it. And he wasn't trying to be anyone else. He's like, "This is me. I like fishing. I work here. This is what I do." And uh, it was just refreshing, you know, that he was just honest, and um, he has such a pure heart. And I think that is what um, I love the most about him. Um, so we just kind of hit it off and, um, I was constantly, and I was still living at Bradenton working for the pirates, like, cause that's where, you know, I wanted to be close to the facility. Um, and I found myself driving to Isla Mirada, like almost every week just to hang out and like, you know, see him. Um, and he's come up a couple times too. And he's like, what are we going to do in Bradenton? I was like, nothing really, but. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go to Tampa? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but then, you know, we've been dating for a couple months now, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of wanted to be, I want to build a life with him, I guess is the best way to mm-hmm. put it. So I'm like, let's just, I can work remotely, um, and I have to travel, which is only like an hour and 20 minutes from the Miami airport. Right. Um, so let's just full send Isla Mirada, let's go. Mm-hmm. So we were still in the process of moving, but we did find a nice spot, and, um, you know, he's going to be a charter captain. Um out of Butter Mary's doing backcountry stuff. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's actually put me on a bunch of my first fish too, like bo- like bonefish and uh, triple tail snook, like everything. Do and you know Do you know Charles Hertel? 
I do. So Charles, so it's a Keezy Charter. Yeah. So he, they're part of the Connect family. Yeah. Family yeah. too, very good friend of ours too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just recently brought, I brought my wife and the kids out. We just fished with Charles like during like quarantine lockdown when yeah. everyone was still like, you know what I mean? I'm like, Charles, I got to get out of here. I got <laughs> to get everybody out of the house. Like we're going to drive down there. You're going to take us fishing. Yeah. So, no, yeah, he's so. pretty cool. But he'll, they'll, they'll both be guides. Yeah. So it'll be yeah. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So he's starting that full-time backcountry gig Soon, now. yeah. He did, apparently it's a whole big process getting your captain's license, but he's passed, like, all the tests, all the medical um, certifications and everything. It just has to wait for it to come in the mail, which should be any day. Yeah, nice. So I'm, I'm super exciting. proud of him. I think that he's going to be, he's very, very um, skilled. He's one of the most skilled fishermen I've mm-hmm. ever met. Um, the finesse and everything and um knowing what structure she'll look for too like the other day he like was like oh we're going scouting like let's go mm-hmm. i'm like scouting like okay yeah. like we're scouting for i fishing. can scout okay, i can scout, I can scout <laughs> a little bit um but he was just very like oh this structure looks good we're gonna try this and we he did i was so proud of him like he saw a plan executed tried it out experimented and it was su- super successful nice yeah nice what's the name of his charter he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know? Um, no, he's trying to figure it out because there's a lot of, like, there's so many possibilities with the bean, you know? Yeah, like, right. It could be bean charts. But the ice fishing, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you've, you've seen his Instagram, but he loves fishing with an ice fishing rod for, like, big animal, like, big fish. Really? Yeah, he loves it. Like, super light tackle, super light pole, everything, monster bread drums. Really? Yeah. So he's actually having his, uh, he's got a custom, um, he calls it the bean pole that's mm-hmm. coming out soon. Um, so look out for that because that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, nice. But it's so much fun. It really is. Yeah, very cool. And you catch like a seven pound mang and it's just like, oh my God, on mm-hmm. this ice fishing rod, it feels like you're fighting biggest thing ever. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm ha- when you first came in and told me that, that you made the move down there, you guys were doing all that, I was happy for you. Yeah. yeah that's really cool. Isla Rod is such a great place. The it keys really in general. Is. I always call the keys the jewel of Florida. Oh. It really is. I mean, it's like when you get down there, and John and I were just talking about this last week because he called me. We had a, like a phone conversation. I'm like, hey, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm on the 28 mile stretch. Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Your mood just changed. <laughs> yeah. <didn't> it? <laughs> that's yeah. where, that's where it, it does. Changes. It's like you go through this vortex transition, like anytime you're there. And like, it's you like see those you leave walls. the entire country behind, you know, yeah. and you're yeah. like, oh, we're down here now. Yeah. And yeah. everything changes. It's pretty cool. So I, I wanted to ask you, um, too, like, you know, you meet some pretty interesting people in this bubble, right? And, um, you know, as you navigate this world of industry, brands, brand ambassadors, marketing, and, you know, many times the actual fishing can take a backseat, you know, to, to all that. So what so far surprised you the most, like, being, because you're, what, with Okuma? and ACR, and um, Yeti, and like a few other brands, and mm-hmm. everything like that. There's obligations to all those things as well. Um, but you, you meet some good people, you meet some not so good people along the way. What has like surprised you the most, positively or negatively, maybe about someone else or even yourself? I think that it definitely um, puts a lot of, not pressure, but um, the, the issue I think comes to when other people use different things and it's just like, no, like I, every single brand that I am behind, I truly believe in mm-hmm. like ACR. It's very important. No, I was showing Justin, um, with ACR, like there's a video of somebody almost losing their life because, uh, it was like late at night 
and they were trying to pull this cooler and the handle popped off and he fell in the water they couldn't find him for at least 24 hours and people don't realize how big the ocean is and like it's not just easy to like locate somebody mm -hmm. you know it's like a pin in like a whole needle stack like it's crazy yeah um so it's like things like that that you have for security that is super crucial um and, and that is something that I, I like about acr and like akuma i believe everything that they have like their rods and rails tested true we put them to work trust mm -hmm. me like even the ice fishing rods that they have we put them to work um so every single brand that i stand behind i not only rely on but i stay i stand behind because they're good quality products yeah and even with the june shine like it's a healthy alcoholic beverage mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's like that is something that's important to me, right? Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always hear, or whenever you hear that story about, oh, lost at sea, you know, and there we got the helicopters out and, you know, we need your help and everything like that. I always just kind of shake my head. Yeah. And because you got to think there's only, you, you guys may have some stat on that, but it, it can't be a very large number of whether or not they're going to find that no, person. And it's as simple you know? as it's going to the ACR website and getting the personal beacon thing and right. leaving it on. Like it's a safety thing that you never know what could happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. And then you hear the stories of the positive ones where mm -hmm. they do find them and you think, man, they didn't have that. Yeah. Didn't, that would have been it. That would have been, you know, the end of it. So it's exactly. a very important company, ACR. I just want to just want to give them a shout out because McKelly's such a nice guy and he's, he's got that operation pretty dialed in and you know it's such a great product and so it's a company run by such great people as well so yeah that's cool i just wanted to make sure that we got to mention them um do you remember much from living in peru probably not you were so young huh no but i actually went back there by myself um a couple of years ago to see Machu Picchu. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, um, I'm dying to go there. Yes. And my aunt that's was That's a bucket list place me. for me, oh. for sure. Honestly, it is one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see. Really? Yep. And um, it's also, I think, like something that you should enjoy with someone else. Mm -hmm. Like if you bring your wife, like she would truly appreciate that. Um, and that's something that I, I want to go back with Brandon eventually. But just the culture, um, the way of living, and all of the history behind Machu Picchu is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then going to the actual Machu Picchu um, mountain is just gorgeous. I hear it's kind of a pain to get up there. Um, so there's actually like a bus. I call it a death bus because it's literally like you have two giant buses going on this very narrow spiral like up the mountain. Um, both ways and then like you just you don't know if somebody can just a different bus can push you over the edge and mm -hmm. like, that's it um <laughs> but you take the bus you're up like looking there, down a cliff literally like there's no guardrails either um, yeah no yeah. i remember one time we were when i was a little kid we were in st thomas with my parents and i guess they drive on the left side of the road like london england kind of thing and so my dad got a rental car to go around the island and everything and he was driving in the right lane like he was in the united states of america because he thought we're in the u.s territory so it's everyone's on the right side right but still like they oh, go by british rule or whatever down there in the islands and so yeah we almost like it was at one of those roads coming around the mountain on the cliff and we were on the wrong side and like we almost like okay. we might not have had a podcast today oh 
You, so. If you go to Machu Picchu, you'll take that bus and be like, that's what she was talking about. Yeah. This is the death bus. <laughs> <laughs> death bus. Um, and they have a giant sign that says, like, we are not responsible with what happens to you on this bus. No, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. Yes. But um, once you get once you survive that and you get up there, um, and it's a beautiful hike, too, and, um, you know, you want to get there super early. But when you get to the top, it is the most beautiful sight you you will ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, very majestic, I think, is the best way to describe it. Yeah. And um, you've been to Alaska, too. I have. That's another place I've been dying to go. I've oh, never yeah. been. So me and my dad were like, you know what? That looks kind of fun. We catch fluke here. These look like monster flukes. Let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stayed at this place called uh, Miller's Landing, and they have not only like places to stay and like yurts and stuff. All Where that is crafty. that? In- um, and Seaward. Okay. So it's about two hours, a two-hour drive from Anchorage, and it's a long flight. Like he was traveling from New York, and I was traveling from Tampa, and we met at Seattle, and then it's another like couple hours. Uh, flight to Alaska into Anchorage but the craziest part about it we were tired at the end of the day and we had to drive another two hours and I was afraid I'm like oh no it's gonna get dark mm-hmm. it never got dark oh is it yeah <laughs> is it they really still have that no light oh thing? it is crazy That's, I thought that like, was only when you go oh, like way up high no there's only like 45 minutes of like nighttime like like maybe kind of sunset dark but it was light the whole day oh wow so i was like okay let's let's drive let's take our time well we might have to transition on the strange questions again (laughs) (laughs) so all right did you see the northern lights uh we did not i think it was a different time of year i think it's like december like later in the year that you see those oh is it really yeah yeah all right i know nothing about that and you don't want to be in alaska when it's like november december yeah i'd imagine not oh no no i have a tough enough time with the cold cold front that we just had here a couple weeks ago but they have a a got down in the 60s they have like a huge rock with like a weather satellite thing Mm -hmm. and it's got to be maybe like 60 feet high like super big um and they said that that always gets knocked down in the winter months because that's how high the waves get. Yeah. I was just like, no. He's like, no, seriously. Really? Yeah. You know, all right. So <laughs> I'm I'm a Florida native, right? And it shows in every part of my life because, like, I cannot deal with the cold. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, even I hear, like, you know, if we're out going out for like a sailfish run in like the winter and you get like a snap and it gets down like the 40s in the morning and you're running this? out and I'm just like, <laughs> please, son, come up, come out. You know what I mean? I just don't do well with it at all. I don't, I don't know. Like, like my wife's from New Jersey and we'll go up there like for Christmas, like every other year or whatever like that. And it's just so, gets dark early and it's rainy. I mean, you know, you used to live there and I'm just why would people choose to live yeah. here? I would yeah. always say that. I'm like, can we go home now? Like, it's, it's, it's it gets yeah. too cold. Oh yeah. I don't know. We actually went up to North Carolina the other day, um, maybe like a week ago, to visit my parents and see the house. And it was 24 degrees when we woke up, mm-hmm. and um, it was so funny because Brandon was like, Alexa, what's the weather? And she's like, it's 24 degrees outside. He's like, Alexa, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, it was really cold. And I just, I got soft living in Florida for a couple of years. It just, it happens. It gets you soft. Yeah. Yeah. Justin's okay, real though. soft. <laughs> Justin's soft. John's not soft though. I, 
can't talk bad about John. He'll crush me with Morton. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> so, so of all those places that you've ever fished, like Island Marauder is your favorite, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the company, too. I mean, um, getting to fish with Nick, with Richard, with Ricky, all the Stanzics, um, Brandon, um, he's taught me a lot, too. And the one thing I love about how he treats me is, like, he holds me accountable of, like, tying all of my own things. Uh-huh. So he's like, you're going to learn Bimini, you're going to learn the FG, you're going to learn double uni, a uni, and um, you're going to learn how long your leader has to be, why we're using mono versus fluoro, like... Uh-huh. Um, so he, he like teaches me and I love that part of it. He's like, he doesn't, he lets me do it too. You know? Yeah. Um, you're going to side cast for the triple tail and you're, if you miss, it's okay. You know? Um, but I like that part of that. You sure. Know? It's important. Yeah. I think it's real important. And one of the things that always attracted me, um, to you was that you're, you're really a fisher woman. I don't know what the hell that term is. Woman, angler? fisher, angler, angler? fisherman. <laughs> I just call you a fisherman. I like right? it. So that's, that's fine with me. But um, is, is you know, just like a grip and grin, you know what I mean? Boyfriend catches a fisher in a bikini, holding it up kind of thing like that. So, um, and I think that's important mm-hmm. as well, um, especially to the show, you know, and, and what we try to, the message that we try to portray about community and about um, protecting our coastlines and being a responsible steward out there, not just a party animal on the water, and just understanding that you know, you are tapping into a precious, very precious natural resource, right. especially down in the Keys, um, that needs to be protected and uh, needs to be taken seriously. Um, so, And one way to do that is to take that seriousness through every aspect of your sport, you know, to, to become a good steward, you know, not only to the people and the culture around it, but actually to the fish as well. So, and I, I see that that's your guy's MO there, which is, which is really cool. And it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you take much, um, stock in making yourself aware with some of the local clean water issues? And I know that he, there's that, uh, clean uh, captains for the clean captains water. For clean water. Yep. He's told me about that. And, um, I was actually fishing, um, out of Biscayne Bay mm-hmm. and that just needs a lot of help. Oh my god! Yeah, as just watching like seeing all the mangroves with all the trash and everything, I was yeah. just like, "How is it this bad?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. So I do notice that. Um. And it it definitely needs to change. And yeah. hopefully the political moves that just happened will steer that mm-hmm. and devote itself to helping that cause. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of that you know, whether it's you know government driven or not, rests a lot in the actions of the people. And just like the local community getting together and raising awareness amongst themselves, um, I think that's that has more to do with it than anything. I think you know the government's going to step in because so much of it is just symbolism. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and just oh, we're going to say this or we're going to do this because that's what's going to get us votes. That's true. And whether or not they really care about it, you know, is another story. And I think people need to be, you know, on top of that in their heads and understand that clearly. Yeah. Like just because you voted a certain way, or maybe your guy won, maybe your guy didn't win. Right. At the end of the day, you guys still need to rally together as a community and do it yourselves. Correct. It's the only way it's going to happen. Right. So, and I know down in the Keys, especially, um, it's such a fragile, fragile ecosystem. Oh yeah, and um, even in the Dominican Republic, you you walk around and you're just like, what is, what is this? You know. Yeah. You um, notice a lot of 
trash and oh, yeah. like yeah it's, oh, it's yeah. a lot worse than here it's i'm sure a lot worse yeah a lot worse and there's no like um real regulation that really wants to cater to that at the moment yes this is a cause for concern you know yeah i think so definitely and the, the islands in general now i know like where your your dad is in the caymans right it's kind of a little bit more regulated oh, yeah. i mean it's yeah, more it's like heavily, here it's heavily regulated yeah. down there um more of the less fortunate islands down there because there there is a lot of money that that goes through the cayman islands so they have the resources to be able to you know make those regulations right. and, and back them whereas some of these other islands down there they just don't they, they can't they can't yeah. do it especially those independent nations right you yeah. got like haiti and the dominican like right, right next to each other they're kind of like on their own oh yeah you know what i mean but if you get like you know st john's and the u.s territories and you know the british virgin islands probably a little different story but you know but there's even still some of those islands that don't get you know what i mean i think yeah so i think that's an important important to recognize that as well um yeah so please if you guys are out there and you know i just we always try to make that a point to mention it on the shows too you know because it's really something that we care a lot about around here so um yeah so cool i want to ask you before we kind of sign off here um where do you kind of see yourself going with fishing i know we kind of touched on you know whether it's fishing or whether it's baseball and everything like that but tell me about you know how much fishing has meant to your life like in your heart like i want to kind of get beneath the surface a little bit as to like what it really really means to you i know it's a kind of a broad tough question to ask but i think it's an important one i think that it really helped bond me and my my dad i call him my dad mm-hmm. um helped bond like our relationship at such an early age and still to this day like you know he's motivated to complete the house he literally relocated so we can catch bluefin tuna wow um and he's excited about all the different species that he'll be able to fish down in the outer banks versus being up in new york but um just helping build that relationship with him um the patience that fishing teaches you too Mm-hmm. Um, that's super important to me and the outlet that it helps me with, you know, my career is a lot of pressure, like I said earlier, but this is my release. My outlet is going out there and just forgetting about everything, all mm-hmm. the negative feelings. Um, and now, you know, being serious with Brandon, um, seeing where our relationship will go and, and bonding with him through fishing also. Um, so I think it's helped structured a lot of the really important relationships in my life, mm-hmm. um, and also helped me create a very positive or keep a positive mindset. Um, but fishing always will have a passion for where do I see myself in the next couple of years? Um, hopefully catching big bluefin tuna with not only Brandon up there, but with my dad continually. Um, and also seeing, you know, Brandon and his business blossom. And he said already, he's going to make sure that uh, at least once a week we go together and go fishing. Yeah. Um, because he knows I love it that much. Yep. And I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the perfect answer to that question, because I think it really proves the point that it's more than just, you know, putting a hook in a fish's mouth, you know, at the end of the day, and there's so much more that goes into it. There's so much more that goes into building a life around fishing and building a career around fishing and, you know, the community that engulfs it all. 
you know, and that really is, I think, what pushes everyone forward and just saying, yeah, we can really, you know, collectively just kind of make all this happen. You know what I mean? Life, life doesn't have to be such a box all the time. You know what I mean? And, you know, fishing gets you there. Mm-hmm. You know? And then that's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I've made it my lifelong passion to paint it. You know, so, I mean, for sure. And that's what makes us all connected by water I at the end of the day. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. I want to thank you for coming in. Thank you for having like, me. Yeah, this is this has been outstanding. It's been nice getting to know you here. I love when, you know, it doesn't happen all the time where I get to actually meet someone for the first time on the show, <laughs> right? Which I always think is a really cool, cool thing, you know what I mean? Because sometimes those first conversations are like the best ones. You mm-hmm. know? So, and I think this one was today as well. So, thank you for driving up here. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for having right? me. And, um... Want to give a quick shout out for people to follow you? What's your social there? Uh, it's actually catching underscore Astrid right now. Okay, catching underscore Astrid. Follow her on Instagram, um, and um, you know, it's it's a it's a really cool profile to follow. So for sure. Um, so all right, I'm gonna grab some food here in a minute. So all right, I want to remind everyone before we go, right, that if you're in the market for a truck or vehicle or a Jeep, right. Go over to the Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, right? That will hook you up with an excellent vehicle, right? Go over see my buddy Dean, right? And tell him I sent you. I can't promise anything, but I think you're going to get a better deal than most people would if you said Dennis sent you, right? And um, if you're hungry, um, I want you to head over to Papa's Raw Bar, right? And get um, something off the Connected by Water inspired sushi menu, right? So that is the Connected by Water sushi menu is at Papa's Raw Bar. Um, and, uh, also, uh, check out Papa Amigos, the food truck down here, right down the street. Um, Harris stopped by and saw them last week and brought some food in and it was incredible. Yeah. They had got the Takizi taco thing. Yep. You know, and I tried, good. I tried that taco the other day it's good. after I left here. Yeah. Oh. Now, yeah. now I'm closer here cause I live out in plantation. It's yeah. a drive. So whenever I come here, I always stop there on nice. the way back. It's right nice. off the highway. Yeah, awesome. We can get that. I might, we might have yeah? to. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's go have some lunch then. And yeah. then um, our good friends at Papa's Pilar Rum remind you <laughs> to never be a spectator. Okay. I know we drank the kombucha and I mix it with a little rum today. Um, but uh, truly, um, it's, it's the best rum out there. And, and I love being a part of the Papa's Pilar family. So, um, you know, give it a shot today. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so all right cool your ego is not your amigo right? always do your best just let god do the rest right no matter where we are no matter what we're doing we're always connected by water thank you astrid degrigi <laughs>